Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian, the author of Evil is Satan, Not God. We often want to blame God for some of the bad things come to our life. Say, well, God's just trying to perfect me. God's trying to use me. No, God will perfect you in the midst of Satan's trial. Let's go back and find out about where evil began. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I'm going to be teaching for a couple of days on the origin of evil, but this really helps us to understand the world system around us because there is a wonderful, good God, I mean, a loving God, but there's also a, a hatred that comes from the other side, and that's from Satan himself. And so we see two opposing forces in this world today, but to understand this good was here long before evil came along. We're going to talk about the origin of that evil, but also the world around us reflects the evil side. And this is why God told us in the word of God that we are to not love the world. Now, we in this, this uh, series that I'm offering on the world, I simply tell you about the two words for world. And uh, one is good, one is bad. Because the Bible says, if you're the friend of the world, then you know then you are the enemy of God. But on the other hand, it says, love the world. But in other passages, it says, don't love the world. Then what are we supposed to do? Well, it's the same Greek word, but you have to look at the context. God loves the people of the world. He hates the world system. And we're to do the same thing, not to become buddies and friends with the world system, thinking somehow if we do, we can win them over to the Lord. No, we win over sinners by loving them and telling the plan of God for them. Because the moment they get saved, God sees them removed from the world system. So this is the series I'm offering called The World, and I think it's going to be a great blessing for you. But let's talk about the origin of evil now. In Psalm 2, verses 1 through 6 is where we're going to start. What is the world's attitude? Now, I'm not talking about just the people of the world, the world system. What's their attitude toward us? And this really comes out strongly in world leadership, governments and world systems and things like that, that the majority of them have fallen for Satan's system to overtake the world and throw away the church and get rid of Israel. These are the two major obstacles in the way of the world, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and also Israel itself. God has not called us in this world to change the world. No, he's called us to block the world. He's called us to slow it down. I like to say it this way. We are the mud the world has to swim through to get anything done. And this is why God has called us here. The actual changing of the world will occur under Jesus Christ when he comes back to this world and to establish his kingdom. And the other side too is when Jesus comes back again, he's really not gonna change the world. He's gonna destroy it. The world system around us will not be changed and Satan cannot be changed. So God's gonna to have to destroy the world system and start all over again at the beginning of the millennium and then literally redo the entire earth when the millennium is over to where we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. So Psalm 2 verses one through six, if you've ever wished you can be a fly on the wall when Congress, the Senate, or others are meeting and they're discussing the church, they're discussing Christians and things like that. You wonder what they would be saying. You think, oh, I just love to be able to hear that, get a recording of it. We have it. It's in Psalm 2. The Lord recorded for us in this Psalm what they talk about. You say, yeah, but this is, this is thousands of years old. What's going on in our country today? Same thing. The system hasn't changed. Satan hasn't changed. The uh, goal of kings of this earth and the leaders of nations has not changed at all. Listen to what the Lord says in Psalm 2, 1 through 6. Why do the nations rage? 
and the people meditate on empty things. He said, you look around you, what do you see in the nations? Rage and anger. That's what makes the news. They show all the riots in the streets and marching in the streets and Black Lives Matter, and they show other Antifa, these types of organizations, and they're breaking and they're, um, you know, breaking windows and, and going down streets like this. And it says, but the people outside of that in the world meditate on empty things. I mean, they watch television, they watch movies and things like this. Basically, they just want to be distracted from what's going on in the world. It's the same thing today as it was back there. Verse two goes on to say, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. His anointed is his believers in the earth today. That's the church. They have set themselves against God. And that is stupidity to set yourself against God because no matter if the whole earth comes against God, all mankind comes against God. Guess who's going to win? God. And against his anointed, that's Jesus Christ saying, let us break their bonds in pieces. This is the hole they think the church has over them. This is the, the bonds, which would be chains and ropes tied around us. And we want to get things done, but we can't. It takes us forever because these Christians keep on talking about God and they slow us down. Again, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their chains from us. But he who sits in the heavens will laugh. The Lord will hold them in derision. God laughs at what they say. You know what? We should be laughing also at what they're saying. Because you know what? Jesus said from the beginning, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. What does that mean? Every nation that's ever set themselves to destroy the church since the church began or in the Old Testament tried to overthrow Israel, none of those nations exist today. A few exist today, but they've totally changed since the days when they came against the church because it comes to this. If you decide you're going to overthrow the church, you have just lost. God said, no, it will last forever. Jerusalem will last forever. Israel will last forever. And all these things are, I'll build them and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse four, he who sits in the heavens will laugh. The Lord will hold them in derision. He actually punches Jesus whenever he laughs and says, listen to what they're saying. And they make fun of them. But in verse five, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And this is the time coming of the tribulation. And verse six says, and yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. If the God said this in the Old Testament, it's still true today. In fact, it's been true since the foundation of the world. What is the world's plan for Israel? This was God, the world's plan for the church here in Psalm 2. But move over with me to Psalm 83, and let's find out the world's plan for Israel. And here we're going to take a look at verses 2 through 5, and then jump down to verse 17 and 18. In verse 2, it says, Behold, your enemies make a tumult and those who hate you have lifted up their head. He's speaking to Israel. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. They have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. God simply saying, this is what they're saying against you, but they don't know what I have said for you. God says, I have said this for you, and he announces throughout the word of God that Israel will be there forever. Even though they have disobeyed him, gone in different directions, God still has a future for the saved ones of Israel, and they'll go on. Verse 17 says this, let them be confounded and dismayed forever. This is going to come in the tribulation, and then after that, 
Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that your name alone is the Lord and your most high, that's Jesus Christ, over all the earth. But you know what happens? Well, in the meantime, here's what we say. When, O Lord, this is one of the famous uh, phrases from the word of God. When are you gonna do something? We actually ask these questions today. Does God care? There's so much evil going around us that it seems to be unpunished. Lord, when are you gonna do something about it? How can evil people continue to prosper? Christians are being beheaded around the world. Abortions happen. Baby parts are sold. Child slavery is rampant throughout the world today. And we hear about this. And our first thought is, God, do you even care? Of course he does. But what is God's priority? We ask God, when are you gonna take revenge on slavery, mass murders, tortures of Christians? When will you do something? Well, think about this. Israel was enslaved for 400 years and that whole time they kept saying, when, O oh Lord, are you gonna do something? And finally, God brought along Moses. But when God brought Moses along, babies were being killed by the Pharaoh. And the people cried out. We're told in the Old Testament, they cried out and basically said this, when, O oh Lord, will you come and justify us? Saul of Tarsus. In his time period, he killed Christians, Nero killed Christians, and I'm sure there were so many killed that the people start saying, Lord, when are you gonna do something? In our own lives, God rarely shows up early. Time helps to build patience and faith and trust, but time also brings maturity and character to our life. God is always gracious, long-suffering before judgment. He's called long-suffering, but here's the good point. He's not called infinite suffering. All the suffering of this world goes on and on and God allows it to go on. He doesn't stop it, but here's the point. One day he's gonna come back and he's going to settle this whole thing. When he does, you're going to see the wrath of God poured out on this entire world. Long times have existed, but longer time gives one more day for one more person to be saved. You want God's top priority? Right now, it's not the abortions, although it's terrible. You know, the, uh, yet on the other side, if there is some kind of blessing that comes out, that child that just got murdered in the womb is gonna go to heaven and God's gonna raise him. I mean, we talk about Christians being beheaded. We think it's so terrible. It is terrible on our side, but in the sight of the Lord, it's wonderful. Blessed in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. So a longer time again gives one more day for people to be saved. Well, let's go back to it for now. We talked about it for so long. Where did all this evil begin? Now, God was here in the first place. That ought to be something exciting. And God is good. God is love. God is kind. God is a blessing. But where did evil begin? Well, it didn't start in the heart of God because God has no evil in him to start these things. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's take a look at the origin of evil. While you're finding that, let me just simply say to those of you who are watching this broadcast right now, who love this broadcast, love the word that I teach, listen, this is my calling. My whole calling seems to be to take complicated things in the Bible and make them simple. And so this is my calling. I want to do it so I can help raise up a whole new generation because my generation and, my, and me being part of it, the things that God taught me, I love and they're eternal. I mean, I'm getting older, but the word never gets old. 
I mean, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So my point is this, is I want to see a whole new generation of ministers rising up, and I want to see a new generation of disciples rising up. And the only way to do that is through the word of God. Your word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against God. And Jesus said to those Jews that believed in him, now if you'll continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. The night before he was betrayed and all this, he was praying in the garden and he was praying to the Lord. And he says, Lord, he says, sanctify them through your truth, your word is truth. So truth brings sanctification to our life, helps open up a calling for us and really establishes our ministry. So this is what my calling is to help establish ministries. I'd like for you to become a part of this by not just listening, not just ordering the material, but actually taking of your finances and giving it into into this ministry because this ministry doesn't spread by itself. Oh, it starts with God's power. It starts with God's calling, but then God works through people to cause it to multiply and go into the earth. And that's through the giving of finances. It was found throughout the Old Testament, the giving of finances. And in Jesus' ministry, he had groups of people that supported him, including a great group of women that supported him financially. And Jesus had a money bag with him. And we know that the Judas was stealing from it. But even then, he had a money bag with him. That's how he did all these things around him. The power of God, the call of God, but the financial giving of people. When you give into this ministry, you become a great blessing to me. And so if you'd like to become a partner with those who are already partners, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner and I will thank you ahead of time. Thank you right now for taking that call of God on your life and taking that voice of God to become a partner with me. I will see you right after the break. The Bible says we are in the world, but not of the world. But what is God's attitude toward the world. Should we pray for the world to change? As Christians, our job is not to save the world. Our job is to win souls, to transfer people out of the world and into the church. In this series titled, The World, Bob Yandian defines what the world system is and what the role of the church is today. The World series is available for $25 plus shipping and handling. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all that covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com 
and click on Partnership. So where did evil begin? I can tell you this, it started with God's workers, those who he had created to help him run the universe. Man was not even here yet when evil began. Evil was already here when man entered into the garden and the seductive power of evil was already there. But how did it all start? Well, there was a break in the ranks of those that were under God himself. I talk to ministers quite often who've had church splits and they'll say, you know what? When that church split happened, I, I blamed myself. I looked at myself, where did I miss it? for that to happen. Maybe my leadership wasn't that good. Well, let me tell you this, one day heaven had a split. You could call it a church split or a heavenly split, but there was a split that occurred in heaven and it certainly wasn't over bad leadership. It wasn't over a lack of leadership. It was found in the heart of one of his beings and that was Lucifer. And so it comes down to this, you can't control what people think of or choices that people make. And oftentimes we blame ourselves for it. The best thing you can do is go on and thank God that again, he brought it to the surface and all this happened, but you go on because why God is constantly not only in the building, he's in the rebuilding business and churches that have failed can come back and be stronger than ever because that's the God we serve, a God of second, third, fourth, 10th chances in our life. So there was a created being called Lucifer and Ezekiel chapter 28 speaks of the time when Lucifer fell. In verses 14 through 17, God says to him, you were the anointed cherub who covers. Notice he was a cherub. The highest ranking angels in heaven are cherubs and he was the anointed, the most high ranking cherub in heaven. Right under the God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit were the cherubs and at the top of the cherub chain was Lucifer himself. In other words, Lucifer was right under the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and right under that, the highest ranking angel, the cherub, and that is Lucifer. And he says, you are the anointed cherub who covers. You governed all the other angels under you. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the days you were created until iniquity is found in you, not in God. People say, well, God made him and knew he was gonna fall. Yes, he did, but iniquity was not found in God. Iniquity was found in Lucifer by the abundance of your trading. The Hebrew word means merchandise or riches. You became filled with violence. Let me tell you what the fall of Lucifer was. It was the love of money. This is why the Bible says it is the root of all evil. It started in there. All the stuff that God gave him went to his head. He had a choice not to let it go to his head, but he chose to let it go to his head and he saw the power that was in money. He saw the power that was in possessions and he took that power and decided with it, he would overthrow God. How in the world can you take a creation that God has made and use it to overthrow the maker of the creation? He took the riches which God had made and tried to use those to overthrow the maker of the riches. So he said in that verse of scripture, by the abundance of your merchandise, you became filled with violence within and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of splendor. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may gaze upon you. He was simply saying this, iniquity was found in your heart. Notice this, not in his actions first, in his heart first. That's where iniquity started. Not in the heart of God. God did not make Lucifer evil, 
but gave him a choice. And every angel from that time on had a choice. Here's what happened. When Lucifer fell, God gave all the angels an opportunity and said, listen, this is a one-time decision. If you choose to go with Lucifer, you cannot come back. If you chose to stay with me, you cannot later decide to go with Lucifer. And the point of it was angels were in confusion. They had never seen the kingdom of God divided. Everything was always in perfect unity and they always knew that whatever Lucifer said, God said, now they were faced with a choice. Do I follow Lucifer who's always been right up until now or do I follow God? And one third of the angels decided to go with Lucifer and they fell that day. Since that time, the angels in heaven are elect. They cannot choose to go with Lucifer. They are elect and they remain elect and those who fell remain as fallen angels. In the time of the great Lisbon earthquake, this was in 1755, in the time of Rousseau and Voltaire, the people ran into the temple whenever there was a tremor of an earthquake. They ran in there because they expected the protection of God. But then that tremor was only the first tremor of a huge earthquake that happened after that. And when all of them ran into the church, uh, then the earthquake came and the whole building collapsed on them and all of them died. The philosopher said in that day, if God could not stop the earthquake when people ran into his house, how are we expected to believe in him? And this became the catalyst of the French movement of secularism and atheism. In World War II, H.G. Wells said of the bombings in Europe, either God has the power but doesn't care, or he cares and doesn't have the power. And it comes back to this, all this we base God by circumstances. And we look at this and say, how can there be a God in heaven? We do the same thing today. With all the evil, with all the wars, with all these things going on around us, we make God the author of these things and judge him or else we say, he does have the power, but he doesn't give a rip. He doesn't care. So he's not gonna solve the world situations or otherwise he would have done it by now. How could a caring God allow wars to go on, children to be killed, abortions to go on, children sold into slavery? How can he do that? Because we haven't looked at it from God's viewpoint. The highest thing that God has is not one person should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And every day is one more opportunity for one more person to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The highest thing God gave you as the church is the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. There's going to come a day when Israel will be surrounded by uh, armies from the world and Jerusalem will be surrounded and they're one day away from total destruction and that's the day when Jesus will come back. When literally, if he doesn't come back, Israel will fall to Satan, Jerusalem will fall to Satan and all the promises of God that Jesus will rule from there will be totally gone and God will be proved to be a liar. God will wait till that day, but until that, there's gonna be seven years of terrible tribulation on the earth. You and I will go to heaven at the rapture, but there's gonna be tremendous outpourings of Satan's wrath and God's wrath at the same time on the earth and the second half of the tribulation, Jesus even said this, will be the worst time in all history that ever has been, is, or ever will be. This is what it's going to be like. But why does God continue to wait even the tribulation another day, another day, another day? Because it's one more day for one more person to take advantage of why Jesus came primarily to seek and to save those which are lost. Let me give you eight undeniable truths about the word of God. Does God have all power? Yes. Has God always had all power? Yes. Does God know everything? Yes. Did God create all things? Yes. 
Did God create Lucifer? Yes. When God created Lucifer, did he know he would become Satan? Yes. Could he have created him otherwise if he would have wanted to? The answer is yes. But does that make God responsible for sin? No, it started in the heart of Satan. He is the evil one. God is the righteous one, but evil started with a thought in Lucifer's head, and from that, the actions came, and from the moment he made that decision to overthrow God, God pronounced an eternal judgment on him, which is progressive. And from that time on, we see him fighting against God, and listen, Satan will not change. We're told this throughout the word of God, even after a thousand years of perfect environment on the earth, Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth, Satan will be released for a season and goes right back to trying to overthrow God. You would think being in hell for a thousand years and watching what's going on on the earth with perfect environment, a perfect world leader, he would realize he couldn't do it, but no, he still tries to do it and will end up one day forever in the lake of fire and all who followed him, every unbeliever that did not receive Jesus as Lord and Savior will be in the lake of fire with him. So God created Lucifer as a free moral agent. God created the being who would one day be evil but he knew before he even created, he would be evil, but still gave him the opportunity. You say, well, why would God do that? For the same reason he saves you and knows that even after that, you're gonna sin sometime, but he loves you enough to offer you eternal life. On the other hand, with Lucifer, he created him and made him. And then one day Lucifer rebelled against him. God wasn't taken by surprise, but God gave him free will. Did God know Adam was going to sin? Yes, but he still created Adam and gave him a free will so that Today, with our free will, we can undo what Adam did in this earth. By rebelling against God, he brought a curse into this earth. But Jesus came and undid that curse, but offers to us as a free gift. And where Adam chose to go against God, you and I can choose to go with God. And what happened to all mankind, Adam passed it on to all mankind. Jesus offers the gift of eternal life, but offers me the choice to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lucifer is the one who decided to go against God and become Satan, the author of all evil. Satan is the one responsible for evil. Iniquity was found in the heart of a created being. Jesus calls Satan the God and the prince of this world, as well as other writers of scripture, Paul and John. Luke chapter four, verses five through seven. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, taking Jesus up there, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Notice this, the kingdoms on this earth are called the kingdoms of this world. In a moment of time, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and the glory of all these nations, their splendor, their reputation for this has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all this will be yours. You know what he said? I can give it to whoever I want to because it was given to me. That is absolutely the truth. It was given to Lucifer by Adam. But he says, now to whomever I will, I can give it. And this is true. But Jesus, all you have to do is fall down, forget your plan, forget God's plan, fall down and worship me, call me your father, not the heavenly father, and I'll give all this to you. Jesus wouldn't do it because he came to do it God's way so that you and I could be blessed. If Jesus would have joined uh, Satan on that day, you and I'd still be sunk. Jesus didn't do it because he had a plan for our life. The kingdoms of this world, of which he said there, these, the kingdoms of this world all belong to me. And so the kingdoms of this world were delivered to Satan by Adam. But Satan said, mine is the kingdom. 
the power and the glory. Jesus told his disciples later, when you pray, say this, yours, Father, is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. This is found in Matthew chapter five and verse 13. Satan's control over the nations are temporary and about to change. Jesus will gain control for eternity one day. And Jesus knew Satan was telling the truth, but told his disciples to pray, looking for a greater day for the church and the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gonna stop right there. We're gonna continue tomorrow on this particular subject. I know it's gonna be a blessing to you, but right now I simply want you to again, get this copy of the teaching on the world and it'll bless you and even get into more things that I'm not teaching on this broadcast. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.